Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Okay, Jason Kalanog, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Brett? Howdy. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, you're the associate head coach at Texas A&M men's team. And man, ever since you got there, what, I think five years ago now, uh, the team has just gone gangbusters. So congratulations on, on all the success. Thank you. Yeah, we've been just trying to get better. You know, we started from the bottom of the SEC, been slowly trying to move up to, you know, where Florida is. And then when you were there, when Auburn was trying to win the SEC championship and then, you know, try to be a top 10, top five team at NCAAs. Well, listen, Matt, I know it's not easy and any easy feat. I mean, it's tough. It's, it's a very competitive environment. Um, there's so many facets that go into it that people don't realize. It's not just about getting a person to come to campus and then swim fast. I mean, there's so much more detail to it. Um, when you're looking at the details, what are, th- what are some of the things that you think contribute to, uh, you know, a swimmer having success in your program? Well, I mean, the first thing is when I first got here, the SEC was just, you know, you know, my first year, I think seven out of the 10 teams were in the top 25 in NCAAs. And it was just, a, for me, it was just a big wake up call. Like, you know, I just, you know, I, I was just praying to get somebody into the C final at SECs and, you know, then, you know, by year by year, try to move up to the B final, the A final, and then eventually have relays to make NCAAs. So, you know, that was like the first step is just kind of looking, my first year was just looking at the overall process of how competitive and how, what an awesome meet the SEC championship is. And then, you know, you know, slowly bringing in the talent where, you know, bringing guys in who could score at the SEC level out of high school. I think that was the biggest thing, you know, we had to bring guys who were a little bit underneath and just try to get there to score at the SEC, you know, top 24 into the C final, then slowly get into the B final, the A final, then eventually having someone win. So it, it just takes time. And, you know, you know, it's that, you know, having one summer is not like basketball or football where they can really change your program. One summer can help your program, but they can't win you a championship where they can't take you automatically into, you know, the top 10 in NCAAs or top, even top four in SEC. So it just takes little by little finding guys to believe in the program and kind of what we have to offer, not just in Texas A&M, but in the SEC. You know, it's probably the most competitive and probably the best uh, conference in general, in sports in general, you know, obviously for football to now basketball, to swimming, to everything going on. So it's something that, you know, it, it was a great challenge for me when I came here and it's something that, I, you know, I relish each day to get better and better. Tell me this, uh, what, what do you think the difference between being an assistant coach and being an associate head coach is? Uh, what's, your, what's the difference in your role at Texas A&M? Um, for me, nothing's really changed. I think Jay Holmes, the head coach, has given me a lot of autonomy when I first got here. And that was something that I was looking for. Um, just because when I was at my previous job, you know, Sergio Lopez gave me, you know, you know, someone who used to work for you in the past, you know, gave me a lot of autonomy working with my group. So I wanted to go to a place where I was able to be free. I was able to make decisions and it wouldn't be necessarily questioned, but it was just more that he was giving me a chance to really help elevate the program in a way. You know, I think Jay and I work really well where he's more old school. I'm more new school. We bring both together. And I think that's really worked well where, you know, we could give, a, you know, the guys a little bit of both styles and mesh them together. Um, he's, he's always going to be the head coach and he always has the final say, but he gives me a lot of time in recruiting in the way we train, um, you know, what meets that we're looking to try to go and dual meet. So I think it's super important that, you know, the head coach and the associate coach, or when I first got his assistant coach, we created that relationship, you know, like husband and wife, it's a lot of give and take and he's given me a chance to, help elevate the program because he went to school there also. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, props to Jay. I mean, he's a, he's been there for a long time and you guys seem to be really clicking and having incredible success. And I think the rest of the country is, is really taking notice for sure. I mean, you guys, I, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, with the, with the success that you're having, people are watching. And I, I think it's really interesting, just the dynamic that you talked about, you know, Jay, primarily being kind of an older school coach mm-hmm. and, and, and you being a new school, maybe just explain the differences. You know, if you could, if you could describe the things that Jay values and maybe the things that you value and how, and how you mesh those two together. Yeah. I mean, I think when I say old school, I think he's just more traditionalist. He doesn't go too, you know, too much outside the box. So he's, you know, 
it's not necessarily he's doing eight to 10,000 meters every practice. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, he just, you know, he's more, you know, the five, two hundreds, you know, freestyle type of guy. I'm more, if I'm doing five, two hundreds. It's broken up. You're doing like 50 fast, 25, no breath or something like that, where it just, there's a lot of more integral pieces, but I try to keep things simple. Um, I think um, I'm not necessarily always about the yardage. I kind of look at, you know, um, you know, we have to do some kind of training, you know, aerobic base, but also doing a lot of fast stuff too, but also recovery work. Uh, I've still been working a lot more on drill work that I, you know, I haven't had a lot of chance to really work on that when I was at Bowls because I just had so many kids, so, I had so many things that I had to focus on. But now on this college team, I can work more focus on the technique side of things. And um, that's really helped enhance a lot of my training to another level just because I had more opportunity to work with, you know, a little bit more talented athletes who are in college and those type of things. So it's been, it's really helped me elevate my game also. Yeah. I like the way that you described it in terms of kind of being a husband and wife type relationship and, and in any marriage itself, it it really comes down to communication. So it sounds like you both have, uh, you know, found ways that you can communicate because it, it could be slightly frustrating for Jay to, to see you doing things the way you want to do them and then and vice versa. But in terms of, um, you know, feeling like you're both, uh, being heard and being successful on the deck in your own ways. And then the team rallying around that, it really comes down to the communication, right? Yeah. hundred percent. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I definitely have to listen a lot, you know, it's just, I, I don't want to just be like, Hey, this is Jason's way. We got to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I listen to his ideas, his thought process, even like the women's day with Steve Baltman and Tanika Jamison, you know, I see what they're doing and, and I try to incorporate that into my training too, because everyone has different ideas of what doing things. And I think it's always important for me to always learn um, the way, you know, different thought process, you know, I was with Sergio Lopez for 10 years and I learned, you know, his way of doing things and I incorporated it into my way. And now I'm, adding Jay Holmes, Steve Bowman, Tanika Jamison, and all, you know, everything that, that we have at Texas A&M. So it's important that we always communicate and always learning. I think as a coach, if you're not always learning, you're going to be very stale and, you know, you're going to, you know, your summers aren't going to get better long-term, you know, that maybe at the short term they'll get better, but if you don't give them variety or change things or try new things, you know, you, everything's always going to stay the same. So I'm always, every year I'm going to try something new. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, maybe it's going to work in three or four years because I just don't have the, type of athlete that I had, you know, five years ago compared to having Shane Costas or coaching Barrow Gastadella now. Well, again, another great point in terms of, uh, I wanted to kind of dig into this a little bit uh, later, but I don't want to avoid it now. Let's get into it just, <laughs> just right now. In terms of uh, Beryl Gastadello, I mean, incredible results. Everybody knows who she is now. Everybody who's watched her swim at the ISL mm-hmm. and the way that she's performed, uh, one of the MVPs of the league. And then you've got Shane Cassis. So in terms of what you are doing now, you, you, are, you said, you know, things change from season to season, but you're obviously having incredible success with some of the best athletes in the world right now. So mm-hmm. what is it that you feel like you're, you're doing well? Give me, give me some specifics of things that people could take away from this. I mean, I think as a young coach, you know, even like 10 years ago for me compared to now, it's like, I just listen more. I listen more to the athletes and what they're trying to tell me, you know, they're not, they don't need to tell me all the answers, but it just, they're guiding me in a way where I have to think a year or two in advance or even a couple of months in advance and just try to work backwards. I think that was something that I learned a lot from coaching Caleb Dressel because he was trying to do some things that were super special in high school. And then, you know, when I had a chance to coach Shane Costas, you know, it's the same way, you know, he's a lot different than most typical swimmers. Same thing with Meryl Gastadella. You know, she trains a lot different than a typical, you know, women's swimmer. You know, she doesn't need as much aerobic training all the time. But um, now that I've just been adding more speed work and, you know, just trying different things. I think coaching is just always evolving and I'm, you know, always trying to learn from different coaches what's worked with other swimmers and see if it works with my swimmers. And if it does, awesome. If it doesn't, you know, let's try another way to do things. I'm always trying to keep things different. Um, There's always a lot of basic things that I try to do all the time, but then I always just try new things and see what happens. Well, give us some specifics on what you're doing with Shane right now. Obviously, he's the 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 guy out there that everybody's um, paying attention to. He's doing some incredible things. What makes him great, uh, and what are some specific things you're you're doing with him? I mean, the biggest thing for him, you know, I think his freshman year was a lot about learning. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. When he was in high school, he didn't really have a club team. He literally trained by himself, and he would get practices from other coaches, and then he would have his high school you know, program. So he would do that. And then, but he really just didn't have 
you know, steady coaching. So when he came to our program, it was a lot of learning his freshman year. And I think, you know, he was just learning how to do intervals. Like, you know, when, when he was back home, when he was in high school, he did eight fifties, you know, on a minute, 200 pace, he would only go freestyle like 26s and 27s. And he'd tell me that's 200 pace. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? There's no way, you know, you're, you know, you're like a 136 guy out of high school, you know, there's no way you're that slow. So just learning the simple things. And then when mm. he came to college, working with a team uh, and then, you know, just honestly, just being a father figure to him because, you know, you know, he, you know, he didn't have a father growing up necessarily. He had his mother and his grandparents. So it just, for me, it just, you know, and Jay, just being father figures to him, learning him, teaching him how to listen. Um, and I think cause he's very stubborn and he wants to do it his way. So like, you know, trust was a big issue. Trust for Barrow Gastel was a big issue, you know, so learning for them to trust you as a coach is, you know, a, gr a great thing that a lot of coaches misses out, miss out because, you know, they don't trust their swimmers and the swimmers don't trust them. And then it's very hard to mesh things because, you know, you're not listening to each other. Just like we talk about with the marriage of Jay and I, or with my wife. So that's something that I, I'm trying to learn more and more um, training wise, you know, just for him, just getting stronger in the weight room, that's really helped. Um, and then, you know, just training at a higher level, you know, like, I, you know, I saw Ryan Murphy grow up. I saw what it took to become an Olympic champion day in, day out. You know, the simple things, you know, being on time, you know, pushing off the wall, doing, you know, four or five dolphin kicks off the wall, all the simple things that someone who's very polished has done for years. This is all right now happening and he's getting faster and faster and he's trying to, you know, go through university and study and, you know, try to get a college degree. So all these things are coming to him very fast, but he's slowly learned how to manage his time, get better grades, learn how to train at a higher level where he needs to train you know if he wants to you know do something if it was the 2020 olympics and now it's 2021 you know i don't want to have to wait till 2024 because who knows what's going to happen in 2024 might as well try now and give yeah. yourself an opportunity so i think that's something that each year he's just been getting better and better at what's his best chance of making the olympic team in in 21 i don't know i mean anything i mean really obviously his backstrokes have been done really really well I mean, obviously he could swim hundred fly or even 200 fly really well. And even the IMs, I mean, like literally I, I, I see him as not necessarily the next Michael Phelps or Ryan Lochte, but he could swim a plethora of events just like, you know, Caleb Dressel. He, you know, I think he's more on the, you know, Phelps side of things more 200, but can he go down to the hundred freestyle? Yes, he can. I mean, he just told me today at practice, I could probably go to dual meet 41 in the hundred freestyle. I think, you know, if I just put on a suit, race. I think that's what I can go. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe 40 point or 39 someday is a possibility, but it's just not something that we're looking at right now. You know, I, I, I'm not, you know, our focus is trying to do a bulk of things. And then when it comes to trials, we'll kind of just pick and choose and see what happens. You know, obviously the Hunter backstrokes, one of the first days. So, you know, hopefully he gives himself an opportunity there. And then after that, if he happens to make it, then it just becomes, a cherry on top if it's the two back two i am hunter fly whatever it may be uh we'll just gotta go one day at a time really well i like that uh i like the idea of being able to to swim whatever but then when you put it into reality when you start looking at each individual event in the u.s you start saying the hundred butterfly well you got caleb dressel you say the hundred backstroke you've got ryan murphy and and you know both of these guys yeah. intimately <laughs> as well so um you know, so are you aiming for second place at the trials or are you saying, hey, we're going to try and take we're going to try and take the top spot? I mean, is that a reality? Obviously, first and second is the same, but obviously I'm not here to get second. You know, we're training to be the best. You know, we're training to break the world record. We're trying to do these things. But, you know, it just it's one step at a time. You know, first thing is make it through. He's never been to the meet. So, you know, make it to the top 16, then to the top eight. And then we see what happens. But I think you know, it's all in the process. You know, he's just learning. He's, you know, he's learning just at the SEC level. You know, he hasn't even been an NCAA champion yet or had the opportunity to do that. So it's just, you know, we're, we're taking it one meet at a time, you know, just getting faster in the pool. And then when the meets happen, we're going to learn from each meet, you know, from SECs to NCAAs and then from trials. And then if he happens to do well to the Olympic Games, but it's all one day, one process at a time. Yeah, but you know what it's like. You go to the Olympic trials and you use it as a learning experience and you're waiting four years to do it, try it again, you know? Correct. So it's like you you want to go and get it right. So there, there's that pressure of, hey, I, I'm good enough now, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, so 
are there specific things that you're doing to prepare him for that moment where it's like, okay, this is the moment where you can actually make this team or are you just preparing him physically? Is there, is there anything mentally you're doing with him? I mean, we do, we know we talk about it, you know, from time to time in my office or, you know, outside of the pool, you know, we just talk about, you know, the experiences that I had with Caleb or, you know, with Ryan and them growing up, you know, like, you know, I'll never forget in 2012 when, you know, Ryan Murphy was trying to make the Olympic team, you know, as a high schooler, um, you know, you know, talking to him and his mother and father about the opportunity that he has a chance. He may not make it, but we're going to give you give him the best opportunity to make it. And if he does, you know, you know, we got to keep moving forward. So, it's you know, those experiences that I had, you know, eight years ago um, were super vital to me now because I, I feel more prepared. You know, mm-hmm. back then when mm-hmm. I, you know, Sergio was the head coach and everything. And I was, you know, Caleb was still young. So it's just, you know, we were trying to get experience. But like for me. I'm more prepared. So, you know, I can talk to him a little bit different way than someone who's never been to the trials, you know, and, you know, just preparing him you in, in, you know, we'll be next month when we go to the San Antonio pro swim series, you know, you know, maybe Ryan Murphy will be there. And if he is there or Jacob Pebley or any of the top swimmers in the country, you know, Alex Katz or whoever it may be, you know, we're going to, you know, race them and see what we could do. You know, obviously we want to get faster each meet, but, you know, every meet that we have, we're going to use as an opportunity to get better. Um, just because swim meets, you know, right now are a dime a dozen. We are not having that many opportunities to race. So whenever we have a chance to race, we're going to take that opportunity, whether it's a dual meet or a pro swim series, seriously. Yeah, I like it, mate. Great approach. I think that's the only way to do it. But you've got experience now. So like you said, you know what you're doing and, and you're very confident in the fact that you can you can get to where you want to go now. So uh-huh. listen, um, you were you were Caleb Dressel's. Uh, coach in high school. I, I, I was recruiting Caleb at, at Auburn University. Oh, I, uh, I remember when you showed up July 1st. I'll never forget it. So <laughs> that was like my first big experience. Oh man, there's a big time college coach coming to come see me. So it was, a, it was definitely a memory that I'll never forget. I was definitely there as soon as I could possibly get there. I wanted yeah. Caleb to swim for me, no doubt about it, you know. Um, but listen, you know, in, in terms of the question itself, like I knew he was going to be good. You knew he was going to be good, but did, did you, did you know he was going to be this good? I, I, I don't know if I knew he was going to be the Caleb Dressel we see today. I mean, I, I always thought he was going to be very good. I, did I think he could be an Olympic champion? Yeah. Did I think he could break world records? Yeah. I mean, it's just the way his mannerisms were, the way he trained. I mean, I thought he just, he was so lighthearted when he was training in high school. Like he was determined to do something and, but he also had fun with it. I think that was super important where it wasn't just, work for him all the time he knew when he had to have fun and he knew when he had to get down to business um so that you know going through that time with him was a special part of my life and hopefully it was a special part of his life where we grew together and we were learning together and then i knew when eventually when he went to the university of florida they were going to help keep elevating him and you know hopefully 2016 was a place where he could have a chance to make the olympic team and he did so i you know i definitely thought he was going to be a great swimmer and i knew that he could reach any level that he wanted to, just the way he is, the way his family is, you know, a great support system. He had all the tools to be great. I was, you know, I was just hoping that he would just continue to develop the same thing with Murphy or Joseph schooling or even Santo Condorelli. You knew they were just something different. There's something in the water when we were coaching them in high school that there was going to be something great. We didn't know if it was going to be 2016 or be 2020, but 2016, it definitely started the show. Yeah. And I like what you said there in terms of um, him being loose and having fun. And I mean, I saw him work hard, but I also saw him in really enjoying it and really having fun with you. And I think that was a testament to the program that you were providing for him. You allowed him to be himself. It wasn't like you were trying to control this young kid. It was, it was, he he was part of a system, but obviously he could be himself, which I thought was fantastic coaching uh, at the time. And, and now he's in a situation look to be honest he hasn't won an olympic gold medal individually yep. yet you know right. we we know that but we also know his potential he could win eight you know um, <laughs> but uh but but now you've got to you've got to take that fun loving loose kid and you put all this pressure on him and and look he can handle pressure we've seen that now but how does he go from how does he find that balance still where he's he's still loose and he's still he can still be Caleb, but then he's also got this expectation of, Hey, you've got to be the next Michael Phelps and you've got to win these gold yeah. medals. And if you don't win these gold medals, you're a failure, whatever it is, you know, how does he find that balance now? 
Um, I think, you know, he just has a great support system, you know, with his fiance, Megan and his family, I think. And, you know, great. You know, Greg Troy is very tough on him. And I think, you know, it's very good for him. Um, so I think, you know, and the experience of the 2017, 29, world, you know, 2019 World Championships really helped him. But, you know, he's still learning. I think that's what swimming is. Swimming is still fun for him. You know, whenever he got back to the ISL, you know, he, you know, we talked and he's just like, that was the best six weeks. I've never had so much fun swimming in my life. And to me, I was like, wow, he's still enjoying it, you know, all the way now as a professional swimmer. So you know, leading up to the Olympics, I think it's just going to be icing on the cake because he knows the work that he needs to do. And he's prepared. He understands he has a lot of great competitors coming up and a lot of competitors that we don't even know that who are about to break out in the next eight months. So I think I think Shane, Shane so, Cassis. maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> I'm hoping for it. So, but you know, you know, it's one day at a time with him, but yeah, that's uh, something that we're just, I I'm praying that, you know, he continues to do well and does his thing. And, you know, hopefully with this Olympic games happens in 2021, because it's especially important for me because I used to live in Tokyo, Japan. So I lived there for seven years. So to the Tokyo Olympics is super special to me. So I, I hope we have that opportunity. That's a great segue, actually, mate. Uh, you know, you've got an incredible story yourself in terms of uh, how you've got to where you are and the, yep. and, and, and even the, the blessing, because I, I feel like it's a blessing to have coached the athletes that I've coached, you know, 100%. We're, we're very fortunate. But, uh, you know, you're kind of a man of the world. T tell me about your story in terms of where you grew up, how you grew up and, and how you got to where you were. Yeah. Well, I'm Filipino descent. Um, I, I happen to be born um, in Los Angeles in Arcadia. So um, my parents worked for Exxon Mobil. So I moved all over the world growing up. Um, I lived part of my life in the United States. I lived a little bit um, in Singapore. So that's when I lived there for a couple of years. I lived in Tokyo for, you know, seven and a half years. So, you know, I, and then I moved to the United States all over the place. I finished um, high school in New Jersey. Um, I was training for a club team and this is kind of a cool tidbit, you know, there was this young coach, you know, he was in his early, early twenties. His name was Greg Meehan and he happens to be the head coach of the U S Olympic team. But yeah, so I knew him as a young 21, 22 year old getting started in the business. So it's, you know, it's, it's weird how things work out. That is very cool. That's very cool. Well, in terms of your swimming story, where did that start? Yeah. So I, you know, I started when I was young, um, when I was, you know, in the United States, I was kind of, when I was seven, eight years old, learning how to swim. Honestly, uh, I just remember them pushing me off the diving board and I was crying and I tried to figure things out. Um, and then when I moved to Tokyo after that, I, that's when I really started to learn how to swim and then, you know, moving up the ranks and doing really well. But I played a lot of sports also, you know, I was a soccer player um, growing up. I mean, I played baseball, basketball, all the sports. I just I'm, I'm in a sense, naturally gifted in sports. It's something that I love to do and I can pick up things really easily. Um, so soccer and swimming were just like the things that I did growing up really, really well. I was definitely a way better soccer player, but I, I love my swimming friends. So that just kind of kept me in the sport and I did really well. You know, I was able to move up the ranks uh, and then I moved to um, Singapore after that. And that was where I started to train under David Lim. Um, and then um trained with a lot of, you know, Gary Tan um, and all these other great Singapore stars now, coaches now. Um, so that's where I elevated, got better and better. And then I moved back to the United States and, you know, I was, I wasn't the greatest swimmer. I was a junior national swimmer. So I was good enough to be, you know, to go to college and swim in, in the United States. So that was, you know, an opportunity. And I happened to go to West Virginia university. It was back in the time, you know, late nineties, early two thousand. the internet was going on, but you know, recruiting was a lot different. You really was just a phone call and, letters and that type of thing. So I didn't know anything, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the U S I grew up in Asia. So I didn't know what recruiting was, you know, I didn't know anything. Uh, you know, I was like in New Jersey, that's all I knew and maybe Pennsylvania, New York, that's all I really knew. So, you know, recruiting, you know, I remember, you know, getting recruited by Maryland. I got recruited by Michigan and talking to John Urbanchik. I was like, man, I don't understand this guy. I like, so I was like, I'm not going to Michigan. It's too cold. And you know, things like that. And it's happened to go to West Virginia because my friend went there. I knew nothing. I just told my parents I'm going here. And I went there um, and then, you know, I started swimming there and, you know. Um, was Sergio it, there at the time? No, it was right before he was, it's Eric McElwain before that. Uh, I was there for, you know, a little bit and then I stopped swimming just because, you know, just handling school and grades and everything was just, you know, not that I was, I just needed time to just work on studying and swimming just didn't work out. So I stopped swimming. I became a regular student. 
And I was going to go in the business world. And then next thing I know, Sergio becomes the head coach. You know, he's there. He did well his first year. And I'm like, man, this guy's pretty cool. And I happened to go to Subway one day, you know, just to eat lunch. And Sergio happens to be sitting there. I said, oh, dude, this is the head swim coach. I go talk to him. We talked for like two hours uh, at Subway about swimming because he was recruiting one of my friends to Northwestern at his previous job. And next thing you know, I'm coaching the next week. And then I'm just a student assistant coach and I'm just working my way up. And then, so that was just kind of how everything happened. It was just all organic. I didn't expect to be a swim coach. I thought my sporting life was over after that. And I just kept on going, kept on going. And I happened to, you know, work my way up in 2008. I went to the Olympic games. So I happened to see you when you won, you know, your gold medal with Cesar Cielo and you were celebrating. I was like, man, I want to be like that because I was 25 years old. I had no, I didn't I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I was like, that looks awesome. <laughs> and after that, I worked my butt off, you know, being at the Olympics, you know, watching Michael Phelps win eight gold medals. That was like an experience in itself. You know, I, I was sitting in the stands and I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, like LeBron, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and, you know, all these guys are sitting next to me. I'm like, this is what I want to be like, you know? So that's kind of how things started. I just kept on working my butt off each each year. And then, you know, I just happened to have a swimmer named Caleb Dresser show up in my life and we created, you know, beautiful magic. And then I tried, I went to Texas a and as a new opportunity uh, just because I wanted to try something new, see if I really loved the college level and coaching college and recruiting and that type of thing. And then Shane Costas moved into my life and then Beryl Gastadillo. So things are just, you know, I'm blessed to have the opportunities to coach some of the most talented swimmers in the world. I, I truly believe it's all about timing and about, you know, creating relationships. And, you know, if you can create great relationships with your swimmers, you know, who knows what's possible. Great story, mate. Unbelievable. And there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to have that experience that I had in 2008. Uh, you're going to be standing on the deck with your own swimmers and you are certainly going to be having those experiences. Um, no doubt in my mind. Um, you, you're doing a fantastic job and you're, Thank you. you're around um, good people. And, and we kind of, you know, I think, I think it's that law of attraction, right? If you're, if you're uh, put yourself in the right positions, yep. you know, good things attract you. And, um, you know, we've got to give a lot of credit to Sergio Lopez. I, I think. Oh yeah. hundred you know, percent. He's he, uh, my mentor and I yeah. give everything to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, incredible. And he, he's just one of those guys that maybe could see something in you, maybe even before you could see it in yourself. He's just that type of person, right? Yeah. I mean, he really is. I mean, you know, he, he really spent the whole year teaching me. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I try to do is teach younger coaches or younger, you know, managers or volunteer coaches. If swim coaching, at a high level, something they want to do. And that's something that he always poked and asked me about my first year. It's like, you really want to be a swim coach? And I don't know why he would ask me these things, because I was just like, what? Why is he asking me this? I'm here, duh. I'm showing up at 5 a.m. But, you know, it just, he kept on asking me for months and months and months. And I didn't realize all these things that he was asking because he was training me. He wanted me to be good. And, you know, he was teaching me, like, how to believe. I think that's the one thing that you, as you see, like, he teaches you how to believe, how to be swim faster than you think. And that's something that I try to teach my swimmers the same way. It's like, you know, how can I extract their talent? You know, because, and everyone's different. You know, some need yardage, some need just a hug. Some need, you know, you know, technique work. You know, everyone needs different things. And I'm just trying to find ways to understand and get to know their families. What makes them tick? What doesn't make them tick? I think that's something that Sergio does really, really well. And he's, he's taught me really well. And I've had the opportunity, you know, to be surrounded by such great athletes who bring that out of themselves, but also bring it out of me because they're pushing me. And I think that's something that I want to continue to, to help do is, you know, bring the best out of people. And I think that's super important because I think some coaching is just one thing that I do. I think bringing the best out of them in the future um, and whatever they do in their life is what I'm meant to do because I knew I was a talented swimmer, but I gave up on a lot of my dreams because I didn't know what it took to be the best. And now that I've had the opportunity to be surrounded by all these people, I think coaching where I was before and what I'm doing now is like my college degree. I'm really using all the tools that I've used in psychology work and all the you know, things that I've done you know, on YouTube or learning from the videos, you know, like you know, watching Garrett's thing you know, a couple of weeks ago and your sculling thing. I was like, man, <laughs> I remember learning from that. Like, it's crazy, but it was pretty cool. Did I try a couple of weeks later with my scale? Yeah, I did. Just to see what's going on. You know, I think it's all, you know, I'm always learning. I think that's super yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I believe it, man. And I feel the same way. I think there's so much to learn. You never get to a point where you feel like you know it all. I've, I feel like I got to the point where I've forgotten more than I remember. You know, it's like, so, so you're just constantly <laughs> relearning again. You're, yeah. like, you're going oh, back oh, to I stuff. I believe that. Um, in terms of uh, struggles for you, yep. I mean, it's, it's tough. When you're pouring yourself into everybody, yeah. and everybody wants a piece of you, you You can get to a point where it becomes overwhelming as well, right? 100%. It's definitely overwhelming. You know, coach professional swimmers, because that's, as you know, they're very, you know, they need attention. You know, you've got your college job where you got to take care of them, and then you have your kids and family. You know, I mm -hmm. think that's something that I've been constantly learning and constantly failing. You know, I am not the best husband. I pour so much time into my work. My wife lets me neglected and she tells me about it. And I, I understand that I screw up a lot, you know, same thing with my kids. I, you know, I just adopted two children, you know, two years ago and I'm still learning how to be a father. I miss so many events and I feel so bad because I got to go to a dual meet. I got to go recruiting. I got to do all these things. So I'm, I'm constantly learning how to be a better father. And then, you know, the same thing with the college, you know, you're supposed to be their father there, you know, your parent to them there in college. So I'm just trying to, learn how to do all those things. And then the professional swimmers, they need, you know, constant attention about their technique or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's definitely a struggle and I'm, I'm constantly learning how to be better. I know I'm terrible at it, but I'm trying to be better. And I know I've had a lot of success, but there's still way more in me. And I'm just trying to find ways to make it more simplistic in that way and trying to, you know, spend time for myself, make sure mm. I spend time with my family. Because as mm. you know, you know, being a swim coach, you're gone a lot. And I think, I always got to remember my family has to be number one. And as most swim coaches know, they forget about that. And then they either get divorced or the children resent them. So I'm trying to slowly get better at that. Well, I was going to say that, you know, when you're pouring so much into everybody else, you, you kind of forget about your own mental health. And that's kind of the, yeah. the new buzz term these days yeah. is, is, is mental health for athletes. And, and I know Sergio is a big proponent on mental health for coaches. So uh, you know, what are some of the practices you think that have helped you recently maybe find that balance and just give yourself some time to kind of, uh, you know, kind of get internally with your own feelings and emotions and thoughts. Cause you're just, you're just giving all the time and yeah. it feels like people are just pulling, pulling, <laughs> pulling. It's definitely a struggle as you get, um, more successful and as more people want to come to, to be part of what you're doing, or even just managing the people that you have. You, you seem to just be pouring out everything and nothing's coming back into you. So what are, what are some of the things that you're doing now to help you with your own mental health? I think the biggest thing, you know, like, you know, over Christmas time, I didn't, I try not to think about swimming, you know, it was all about my family, at least as much as I can. I went to Disney world, universal, you know, I went to the beach, you know, I think just taking time for them and myself just to relax is always good. But, you know, on a daily basis, my car ride is so special to me. It's only 10 minutes long, but it really, I just listen to the radio or, you know, I just listen to my own thoughts and I just really think about how my day went or what I want to do in the future in my life. You know, I think the time in my car is so important. It's really short, but it's really, it takes me away from everything because no one's talking to me, you know? And I think, I think that's super important. You know, I mean, you know, before COVID, I was really working out. I need to do that more during COVID now with everything. I need to spend more time on myself working out. So that's something, cause I love sports. I love to play golf. You know, I think that's something that I take, takes my mind away from everything. Cause that's four or five hours to get out of here. I love to play poker. My wife hates that. I love to play poker, but I could spend 20 hours playing poker and it just makes me focus on like myself, you know, and how can I beat the opponent? So those are just simple things that I do. And I think it's, you know, it's my hobbies. It's just stuff that I love to do. Well, that's what I mean. You've got to have an outlet for yourself. Otherwise you'll explode or implode oh, yeah. one of the two, yeah. but yeah, everybody's got to have their own outlet and it's got to be a healthy out outlet. And it sounds like poker's just for you is just a fun way to kind of tune out and just, just, you know, enjoy something for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I try to do stuff for myself, you know, just to have fun and just like, because it's something that I like to do, you know, it's like either it's poker, it's golf. Like how can I become, you know, a really good golfer or just like, you know, for me, just watching sports is a lot of fun, you know, mm -hmm. watching, you know, the NBA, the NFL, whatever it may be. The ISL was awesome. Every Sunday or Saturday, I could just sit there and it has nothing to do with, I put somebody there. I just love the sport of swimming. 
just yeah. watching swimming once a week was so awesome for me for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that, you know, the NFL is going on and then now, you know, with the NBA starting to ramp up, it's been a the sports, is just something that I just love to watch TV and just sit down and relax on my couch, you know, just and no one talked to me, you yeah. know, I don't always need someone to talk to me. I just like to relax and just shut my brain off. Well, listen, tell us about Beryl Gastadella, because like I said earlier, she has uh, come onto the international scene, burst onto it. And actually, when we were recruiting originally for the first season of the ISL, um, I remember talking to David Marsh and Lenny Kraselberg, and they were kind of asking my opinion because they'd never heard of her at that stage. And I was the head coach at Auburn. She'd she'd been uh, swimming at A&M and I'd seen her firsthand. I'd seen her at dual meets. I'd seen her at SECs Mm -hmm. and NCAAs. And I said to her, uh, said to them, like, listen, the one thing I know about this girl is you might not know her now, but she is a racer. This girl loves to race. And this league is built around racing. You put this girl in a competitive environment. I'm telling you, she's going to race. And that's what we were looking for. We were looking for people that wanted to race. We weren't looking for the fastest swimmers, but, but yeah, so just, tell us about her yeah i mean i think you know maybe a year and a half ago whenever everything was starting up you know no one called her up and i was like man she's this is perfectly built for her but you know she had no isf team she's like jason what do i do so i, I texted you know caleb i texted ryan murphy and you see is there any spaces and ryan murphy actually happened to text me back and he's like i'll ask lenny and then you know weeks later lenny got back to me and her and said yeah we were one spot open and then you know mm. You know, and then when she, we didn't know what to expect, like you guys. We, the ISO, you don't, you didn't know what to expect, so we just kind of went in it, see what happened, and she did really well. And, and we were just trying new things for the first time with her because, you know, when she was training with Steve Boltman, she was doing a little bit more aerobic training, you know, working on techniques. So it was a lot of good base for her, but she didn't do as much speed work all the time. So which is the ISL or things like that. So then we just started to work on more speed work, more power work with her, and then. You know, she had a new weight coach. So, you know, she was trying to get stronger in that sense. So, you know, that we used that first season as an experiment and it worked really, really well. She did mm. really well, but we knew there was more in that tank, you know, and a lot of it for her was just about believing in herself. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, she never believed in herself. She never thought she could be a world-class swimmer mm-hmm. or, you know, win at a high level. She always thought she was good, but she was never going to be good enough. So that was the first step for her is making her believe that, Hey, you can win at the ISL. This is built for you. It's short course meters are good at underwaters. You're, you know, you have great technique, you have great power. So all those things, just learning for first year. And then we spent the next six months fine tuning for the Olympics and things like that. And just making her believe slowly one month at a time, one practice at a time. And then once this, you know, during the summertime COVID hit, so she was only not training that much, but we told her it's okay. We're going to do what we need to do. And then we finally, you know, came to that ISL again and she just hit it. And it just like confidence just kept on rolling. It was just like, you know, James Harder. She just kept on going, eat, 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 eat. And the more she raced, the more confident she got. And, you know, it just carried on for the next six weeks. She did really well. Um, I really wish she could peak at one meet and there wasn't so many meets back to back to back. Um, just so we could really see if she could break the world record in a couple events, which I really think she can. But uh, but it's okay, you know. It's all about the team. The ISL is about the team. So it's like, how many points can we, you know, give to the team? So that that just gave her a lot of confidence. In the next, you know, six months, it's sky's the limit with her. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Um, but we all have our critics, and I think one of the criticisms of, of her may be now is that she hasn't proven herself long course. She's, right. she's been phenomenal short course, and that's because of opportunity, honestly. Yep. I don't doubt that she can be incredible uh, long course. I'm sure you don't either. But how do we translate this phenomenal success from short course meters to long course meters now? Yeah. I mean, you know, two weeks after the ISL, she had a chance to go to you know a French you know, championship meet to try to make the Olympics. And, you know, she went 53 low, her best time in the 100 freestyle. Does she have more in the tank? Yes. I think, you know, this past two and a half months for her, the focus was short course meters. And then this meet two, you know, two weeks after the ISL was just to see where she was at. And now, you know, we're just going to take month by month to see how she could go to swim meets and, you know, train at a high level and, you know, have a chance to be in the Olympic final. I really think she can. And then once you're in the Olympic final, who knows what could happen? You know, you could be lane one, lane eight or lane four. It doesn't matter. You have a chance to win a medal. So I think she's just slowly building confidence and that's, you know, making her believe that she can be there. And, for the first time, she truly believes she's a world-class swimmer. And mm-hmm. I think that's only 
they're, you know, short term right now, you know, who knows what's going to happen in 2024 where it's in Paris, France, where she's from. I think that's going to be, you know, another build up to seeing where she can go then. I think so. You know, it's just honestly, we're just taking it a month at a month time and helping her believe that she can be the best swimmer in the world. Yeah, I saw this incredible clip uh, a couple of days ago where Ray Lewis uh, was talking to a group of football players and he was talking about why is the lion the king of the jungle? And he was saying it's it, it shouldn't be really. I mean, it's not as big as the elephant. Oh. It's, it's not as fast as the cheetah, you know, and um, he was he was going through all these different animals and, and the different attributes they had. And, and the lion was not the best overall uh, animal at anything other than the reason why the lion is the king of the jungle is because of its mentality. It believes exactly. it believes it's the king. And that, that kind of I started to think about Beryl in that sense as well is like she's not the biggest. She's not necessarily the strongest. She's not necessarily the fastest, but it really, to me, it came down to her mentality. And once she started to believe that she could be the the best swimmer in the pool, I mean, she had many great skills that once she put them all together and with that belief, Correct. she could do anything, you know, and, and now we're starting to see that she truly believes that she belongs and not only just belongs in this group. Now she feels like she, she can now, um, dominate this group as well because of the mentality that she's going in with. And I think that's a great lesson for a lot of athletes. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think for her, it's like, you know, when she went to the ISL, she like couldn't believe that people actually knew who she was, you know, and that's like, you know, coming from a world-class swimmer, you know, she didn't know that, you know, Sarah Sjostrom knew who she was or, you know, Romy or things like that. You know, she just thought she was like the little, you know, kid on the side, but it's like, mm -hmm. no, you're just as good as them and you can compete with them. And mm -hmm. when she finally believed that that's when she gave herself an opportunity, you know, to beat them in races and things mm -hmm. like that. So I think that is just, you know, for her and a lot of swimmers, you know, believing that you could do something, whether you think it's impossible or not, nothing is impossible. It's just, you got to find ways to help you get there or have someone help you get there. I think that's, you know, you know, a lot of people say that Kalo's just going to be good. Whoever his coach is, I don't believe that. I think he's going to be, a great swimmer, but he needed someone to help him believe that he'd be a great swimmer because he never really broke any national records in the past before he came with me. He had done really well, but he's never, he found, you know, we had created this bond, this great relationship that helped him believe in himself. And then he slowly taken that. And then Greg Choice helped him and, you know, coach Steve beforehand and coach Nesty beforehand that, you know, like they've really helped him get to that next level. And I think it's just, you know, it's all about opportunities and taking advantage who you surround yourself with. I think that's where a lot of swimmers, you know, forget that, you know, if you create a great relationship with your coach, you're going to swim fast, plain and simple, because you're happy and you can mm -hmm. trust them. And when you can trust each other blindly, dude, magic happens. And, you know, you know, who knows what can happen? Well, what's next for you, mate? Uh, you're, you're now putting yourself in a position where I'm sure um, coaching opportunities in terms of head coaching opportunities are probably presenting themselves. Are you interested in being a head coach? Uh, of, a, of your own team um, in the near future, or is that something you're looking at, you know, 10 years from now? I mean, for me, you know, I, I take it honestly year by year um, have universities called me before to, to interview, to look at them. Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, I want to create a great, you know, relationship with my wife and kids, you know? So if that's here, I want to do that here. But if, if I need to go somewhere else to make my family even happier, then I'll look into other opportunities. I think the biggest thing for me is like, it's not always about me. And I've always made swimming about me because I wanted to move up like every other coach. You want to move up the levels. You want to coach the Olympic champion. You want to do all these things. But in the end, I, I realized that, you know, my family needs to be supported. And if I can make my whole family happy, then if there's an opportunity out there that I can't resist, then yeah, I'm going to take that opportunity. But, you know, if my time is to be here for right now, I want to be here. And, you know, I think, you know, when I first got here, I told Jay Holmes and Alex Dawson, our director of ops, is, you know, I want to win here for you guys because they both went to school here, mm. you know, and they've seen the, the way the program is and where it is now. And, you know, we're so close. You know, I don't want to just leave without winning a championship for them or, you know, take Texas A&M to places where it's never been, you know, or maybe giving them an opportunity to, to be part of something special with, you know, whatever it may be, I know. So I, I you know, I, 
Texas A&M has been so great to me. It'll be very hard for me to just walk away, you know, just the way Auburn is to you, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, it's, it's a special place for you. And I think, you know, Texas A&M right now is definitely a special place for me. So I, I definitely want to be here, but if there's an opportunity to take me somewhere else, I'm definitely going to look at it. But uh, you know, the Texas A&M being in the SEC, I don't think it's a greater place to be a coach. It really yeah. isn't because they have the money, the resources being in the SEC, they give you everything you need. You know, we just built a brand new building here. We have brand new offices, brand new locker rooms. We have an athletic training room, hot tubs, cold tubs, off the pool deck. We have everything you need to be the best swimmer and as a coach. So I think, uh, you know, there's no better place. Well, listen, I'm going to give you a piece of advice here uh, publicly, okay? Don't be in a rush to get out of the situation you're in. You're in a really good situation from what I can tell. Um, You've got great support from a a really incredible head coach. And like you said, uh, you're even just telling me earlier about the upgrades and facilities you have. Um, You have the athletes. To me, it seems like you're in a really good spot, and I would would stay there um, as long as you can. Uh, And and like you said, the SEC is just an incredible – place to compete and and a lot of people don't know this but there is a difference between having an sec team and an ncaa team Mm -hmm. you you can you can um you could win an an sec and and not come close to winning an ncas you could also lose the secs and then still win the ncaa's so in terms of how that happens to be a great sec team you need depth across the board right you need you need your your 20 athletes right In order to be a great NCAA team, you need 10 to 12 athletes. And you've seen kind of Stanford women um, take this kind of line where they've been successful with with 10 or 12 athletes and, and won an, an NCAA championship. So in terms of where Texas A&M men are set up right now, are you a better SEC team or better NCAA team? Well, that's, you know, I think at the SEC level, you know, we have 20 guys who can score at the SEC level. So we definitely have a team that can have a chance to win the SEC title. Um, obviously, Florida's, you know, the eight-time champions, and then, you know, Georgia's really good um, this year, so they've really stepped up. Um, when it comes to the NCAA level, you know, obviously we have Shane Costas, you know, who has an opportunity to win three events possibly. You know, Mark Thiel, he's done really, really well. He hasn't had a chance to explode it. I mean, he went 4-10, um, you know, last, you know, SECs, but he wasn't fully rested. You know, our top guys weren't fully rested for SEC, so I don't even know how fast they are right now. Um, so, you know, we have definitely, you know, great divers also, we have, Mm -hmm. you know, two or three who will be all Americans also. So I think, you know, we definitely have both. I don't know which side is tipping more. Can we be top five at NCAAs? I truly believe we can. Can we win the SEC title? I truly believe we can. It's just a matter of getting it done. As you know, getting your first championship or being in the top four or five, getting a trophy at SEC, NCAAs is really hard, you know, but once you get there, you know, the formula. So for me, I'm trying to get over the hump. I've gotten so close so many times, but we haven't jumped over the hump. So hopefully this year we'll have that opportunity to, you know, win an SEC title and, you know, to be top four at the NCAA level to win a bring home a trophy. You know, the women at um, Texas a they've done it before, um, you know, at the NCAA level and the SEC. So I know at Texas a you can get it done. It's just a matter of having the right guys to believe in each other and to do it at that moment. You can be good all year round, but you need to be good at for five days and four days at NCAA. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do right now. Yeah, you definitely set it up, man. It's there. Uh, but, you know, that opportunity was stolen from you guys last year. Do you What's your, what's your gut tell you this year? Are we going to see an SEC championship and an NCAAs this year? Currently, I think we're going to for sure see an SEC championship right now. I mean, they split the men and some women's meet and the diving meet. So it's three separate meets. So oh, I think, is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So the... Oh. the the diving meet is going to be held in Missouri the oh. same time as the women's meet, but the women's meet is going to be held at the university of Georgia. Oh. Um, and then a week later, the sec men's meet is going to happen at, at Missouri. So it's going to be three separate meets. So the oh. meet's going to be a lot smaller. There'll be a lot less people. So it'll be a de- definitely a different meet than having the men and women together, which is the best swim meet in the world. Really mm. just the sec championship because it's just so loud with all the fans. But it definitely be different. But, you know, it's giving us an opportunity to have a championship. So to me, I don't want to take that way, that opportunity. Everybody in the SEC and in states has worked so hard. I want to give these kids an opportunity to race and to see what happens. 
Yeah, we've got to have it, man. It's got to, got to happen. Definitely. Um, listen, in terms of uh, people learning more about your program or even, you know, viewing some, some, some stuff that you're doing on a daily basis, is there somewhere where the people can go to, to, to learn more about the program? Yeah, you know, definitely on our, you know, on our Twitter or Instagram at, you know, Aggie Swim and Dive. Um, I try to do a little bit of that stuff just to keep up with all the other coaches who are doing recruiting <laughs> stuff. So I try to put uh, Jason Kalanog on my Twitter or in- Instagram or, you know, Facebook. You know, I try to put a little bit of tidbits um, of the program. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important just not to show, you know, the recruits things, but it's also, you know, to show the, the former swimmers and divers at Texas a and to see what we're doing, the mm-hmm. opportunities that we're getting now. Um, you know, I think that's super important because it's important that the alumni be- base feels part of the equation now more than ever, you know, with COVID happening and some programs being cut, you know, it's important that they feel part of, you know, the past and the future and the present, I think. So that's something that is important to me that we share as much information as we can, because to me, I don't care about sharing my sets and all these things because I do it my own way and you can do it a different way. Um, I think, I think the relationships and all that kind of things is the, what makes it fast. You, you can read sets online mm-hmm. on the internet, YouTube, whatever, you know, you can do all that stuff, but how you execute that thing, that's an artwork. And that's something that I think that I've learned to slowly get better at because it's an art, you know, it's like, you know, you're doing this yang, yang, you know, you're dancing, you know, you're trying to create a 10, you know, and that's something that we're trying to do each day. And I'm, I'm learning more and more. And, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you having all these podcasts because I listen to them all the time. I, li- you know, I, I'm learning from all the coaches, the swimmers from the past, the future, you know, like seeing all those things help me become a better coach. So I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for all the people who created podcasts or doing all these video things online because it's, it's sharing and it's what we need to do as coaches and swimmers to, to better our sport. Well, listen, mate, people are going to listen to you now and watch you and, and you're going to oh. teach, <laughs> you're going to be teaching the future. This has uh, been a great interview and, and I really appreciate you sharing. And look, a lot of what you said is basically to me, what I've taken away from this is that it's, it's not just about the X's and O's. It's about the relationships you have with your athletes. It's about the environment you create. It's about listening. It's about speaking. Um, and it's about collaboration. And I think you and Jay are doing that better than any two coaches uh, in the country right now. So congratulations, mate. Keep it up. And I certainly hope you guys can raise a trophy above your head this season. Hopefully. You know, thank you, Brett, for this opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks, mate. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.